0: free music.com
1: hello and welcome to the hacking podcast buy low sell hack um, that's a pretty good music. one Com. i was off the top of my dome <laughs> um, so yeah uh, this is free gareth music. lyons Com. and uh, i'm joined today by melissa malone free
0: hello <laughs>
1: yeah famous artist animation pe- person extraordinaire <laughs> Melissa Malone. Can you tell me as well, like, what's your specific job at the moment? And I suppose you've probably been, you've been working at it for the past few years now.
2: Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I am an art director uh, here in London and I did it for maybe two and a half years in Dublin as well. So I guess like nearly three years.
1: Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Man, you've been at it. You've been at like, I thought you've been at it like way longer than that. Or is it like you've um, been, you had another um, job before that? Is it or?
2: I had a couple of different jobs. Yeah. I, um, yeah. let me think. Yeah, no, I had like, they're all kind of similar, like design backgrounds. Mm. That kind of, um, but yeah, art directing three years. Yeah. That's amazing. Can you talk
1: about the show that you're art directing on at the moment? Or yeah, I no?
2: Think I, can, I think I can. Well, I'm actually co-art directing for the first time, which is mm. really nice. So, uh, it's a show, it's preschool. It's my first time ever doing preschool, which is really nice. Um, Yeah. I've never done preschool before. It's always been like boys action shows. So Hmm. this is really, um, so it's a show called love monster. (laughs) Don't laugh. Um, It's based on a book, I think by Rachel bright. Um, there's not much out about it at the moment. There's been a press release and that's about it, but it's, yeah, it's just, it's a really nice show about like kind of cute animals that like live together and live harmoniously and like loads of like kind of life lessons for, kids it's very um it's very sweet that's great um what was i gonna say um
1: yeah i one thing i want to address really quickly is that we uh we're talking over skype as you can hear so um if there's a bit of a grubby connection then forgive us Mm -hmm. but uh but also i i think you know it's it's coming in pretty clear over here so i think it should be fine short stories funding scheme which is uh taking applications uh, all due at the end of next week um and also the uh, the end of next. do you know who got it actually as well melissa um your friend and mine fergal costello no way yeah well he got it last year he was the one he did one with um tony candwell i don't know how much information oh, i can reveal yeah yeah it's really good yeah mm-hmm.
2: what's that called again I- I can't remember. I think I saw like a rough cut. Yeah. I don't think it's out yet. Yeah. It's amazing though.
1: So this short stories scheme, um, I think it's quite a recent thing. Um, There's a woman who has like an incredibly Irish name, which I cannot pronounce at all. Um, It's like (laughs) Reanachne Llobe. And she, she's also doing one called Neon, I believe it's called. And it's like a weird post-apocalyptic future thing um, where this woman is like running around with a big neon sword. And uh, I thought it looked class. And uh, likewise, Fergu's is like, um, I don't know, I, I haven't seen much information online. So I'm kind of like, Hesitant to try and reveal too much, in case because I, I I've seen the rough cut as well, mm. um but needless to say, I just wanted to give a shout out to this scheme because it looks like it, it's quite ambitious or a little bit adventurous, you know, mm. and because uh, a lot of funding schemes, it's like oh, it needs an Irish bent, you know, yeah. whereas both of these were very much uh, genre things and admittedly they were live action, but the scheme also does animation. So I thought like, fuck it. Yeah. It's worth sending in. And these are like short, short, like it's five minutes on the brief. So that's not a lot of time. I think with animation, they'd probably be looking for even less, do you know what I mean? Like two to three minutes. Um, the money to me, did not look particularly good, but, um, fuck it. I mean, if you have a chance of making something that isn't kind of pigeonholed into a, you know what I mean? Like a kind of not, I'm not dismissing any other stuff. I'm just saying that, you know, there, there is a commercial element to a lot of animated animation funding schemes out there. And, um, I always find that you can kind of see like oh, we are going at this angle because we can get it on this flight to America or something. Do you know what I mean? Or we'll do it here because you can get Christmas shorts, basically play it anywhere. Do you know what I mean? There's <laughs> there's a feeling of kind of um
2: like adapt. Yeah. Say again? Like a gimmick almost.
1: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I just think that if some of what I've seen of the short story scheme, um, it may not be as much money as other funding schemes, but it seems to be uh, encouraging young filmmakers. So that's always a positive And I, I kind of, I'm gonna apply for that and see what I can get. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of this week also, uh, also topical because uh, I saw your your tweets, Melissa, is the Dingle Animation Festival.
3: Yes. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> Again, this is a, you know... um it's next weekend, is it? It's next weekend, but that's also... The 22nd is the deadline for short stories. And that's also the first day of Dingle, as far as I know. Or the second day. Because mm-hmm. um, that's on a Friday. Um, but yeah, I guess I wanted to talk a little bit about Dingle as well. Because, um, like, the tickets have creeped up every year. Yeah, yeah. And now to a point where it's like prohibitively expensive for me to go down Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) or at least to to avail of the classes you know
2: yeah yeah like it seems to really benefit students but yeah i mean we are kind of in that weird middle place where we're like a couple years out of college but like also not very rich
3: yeah
1: yeah yeah but i also i think that the student discount isn't phenomenal either do you know what i mean i don't know
2: how much Um, is it this
1: year i think it was like I'm gonna have a look at well the, the okay, let me look up the actual ticket prices before I throw complete shade. But it was enough that immediately as soon as I heard it, I was just threw it out of my brain and went, Nope. Yeah. And yeah. I, um I think it was somewhere close to like 375. Now I could be wrong about that. No. no. But I also don't think I am wrong. Yeah. Um Okay, I think the tickets are sold out anyway. Mm. I was really cheeky and I tried to. Can I go down and record a podcast for free? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh yeah, Professional Plus. I was actually lowballing it at 375. Mm. It's 450 euro. And that's the professional. That's the professional. Wow. That's a lot. Here's another thing that I've heard now. If you have a film submitted into it, okay, and the film is accepted, you still have to pay for your ticket. Really? Yeah. Wow. So that's it correct it, people can correct me on that, but I have heard that from reliable sources and they're kind of counting on studios to pay for these tickets. Yeah. And I just think that. But actually now looking at the student pass and unemployed pass. So, yeah, I could have gone into that. 95 euro. Oh, that's, so that's okay. Yeah. That's all right. That's actually... That's doable at a push, although it, it doesn't count in accommodation and actually travelling down there. Mm-hmm. And if students submit their films and the unemployed,
2: they still have to pay that ninety-five quid. You really, um, be yeah to get like professionals down there, like to yeah. to, to connect with the students. Like it's yeah. very strange that the, the the ticket there's such a big difference in those ticket prices. Yeah, I, guess and I the studios think, are really subsidising though.
1: Yeah, I think that the the other part about it. I mean, it, it it brings up things. I heard this amazing podcast. I can't remember what it was, but they were talking about how we need to discuss, um, Facebook, Instagram, and things like YouTube. Okay. Um, oh yeah, this is it, that they should be publicly owned companies, you know, as in, because at at present they're privately owned, but all Mm -hmm. of the content on Instagram is, generated by the members of it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like we're signing on and we're part of like Instagram. And then we put out like these pictures and pieces of art that generate that, uh, that attract the audience Mm. for the platform. But yet, you know, it's a publicly trading, sorry, it's a privately trading company, which means you don't receive any benefits necessarily from that, you know? But you know what I mean? It was just an interesting thought about how like the stuff that makes up the platform. So the idea to me, this could be like completely wrong, of submitting a film into a festival (laughs) that you then have to pay to attend is kind of like, I am giving you the thing that makes the festival. Do you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. We're working for them essentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now, again, uh, we're, we're going to do a similar thing on uh, that we did on the episode of Jess Patterson and I will uh, you know, put a, a big alarm before this is a Gareth Lyons opinion that is not <laughs> Melissa Malone's. <laughs> uh, should it be required? Um, but anyway, okay, so that was it. Dingle's on. Um, and, you know, I I, w- I wouldn't recommend... Uh, just going down there and staying on a friend's floor and going to the I, pub. I, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that. if I was to suggest something, um, that would be the equivalent of going into a shop and reading the magazines and putting them back on the shelf. So I wouldn't <laughs> recommend doing that. Okay. Um, Gareth Lyon's opinion, not Melissa Malone. Not. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now one other thing that's coming up is the animation residency for the offline film festival. Um, basically if you have a passion project, you can apply for this and hopefully get like, um, accommodation. I haven't really looked into it too thoroughly, but it came up on my feed. So I thought I'd mention it, um, a residency to pursue animation. Um, so yeah, if you've got a project you want to do, then you can go to Offaly basically for a few months and be uh, put up room and board in a house and um, yeah, get your get your shit done. Okay, um, so now we're moving on to more, less news, more um, topical stuff, okay? Um, I mean, that's not really news, that's just kind of employment stuff and things you can make money off of and events and stuff. Um, But here's one thing I found this week. Um, Have you heard of this? The um, IFI Adverts Archive, essentially? No. It's really cool. I just found it the other day. Um, It's um, exactly as it sounds. It's a project. It's called the IFI Adverts Project, actually. And uh, they collect advertisements that have been made in Ireland from like the... Uh, 50s onwards i think you know that's cool yeah yeah it's class but uh, in included in it is a lot of animation you know is it pub- and uh, go again sorry like a public archive. yeah you can cool. go you can visit it online i'll put the link below cool. um but it is really cool you know the idea because there's one of them uh, i was like sifting through them and like you know uh, it, it's funny because we talk about it a bit on the podcast, but you know, Bluth like came here and kind of set the template for animation in many ways, you know, because he started up the Ballyfermit course and likewise in America with Disney setting up Cal Arts, it uh, starts animation, but it starts a, a very kind of traditional type of animation, do you know? Um, so it's interesting to see these things from before Bluth's arrival yeah. that are like, you know, um, clearly people who, who don't understand the rules of animation too clearly, do you know? Yeah. And, uh, it, that's a great thing because you see kind of a type of animation that you wouldn't necessarily see anywhere else, mm. do you know? Um, and yeah, that's influenced by things as opposed to taught, do you know? Um, so there's some Odlums ads that I, I thought were very good. And then there was one, this one could have easily been done by like a Sullivan Bluth person, I think. I'm not sure, but it was for, uh, Captain Crisps, uh, which were a type of crisps. Mm. So that was great. Um, so recommend looking that up and uh, checking out that animation. Free
2: music. You come from like quite a small town, don't you? Well, um, I was born in Wexford in a place called Wellington Bridge, which is like tiny. It's literally like a bog. Uh, mm. Then I moved to Waterford, which I guess is like a city, but <laughs> that's kind. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so I moved to, I did a PLC and then moved to Waterford when I was nine, or moved to Dublin when I was 19 to go to college. Yeah, so I guess kind of from a small town.
1: But what, did, what got you interested in animation, basically?
2: Oh, it was kind of a fluke. Like, mm. like I don't really have, like, an amazing <laughs> origin story. Like, yeah. I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was fairly, like, directionless when I was doing my PLC. Um, so I kind of I – I remember I was kind of torn between doing film studies or doing fine art, and I was like, oh, like I guess animation's kind of like somewhere in between those two. So I'll just throw it on my CAO and see what happens. And then I
3: hmm.
2: sent off my portfolio. And I think what happened was I got five points higher in, for animation than any other of the other courses I did. So I was like, oh, obviously, you know, they must want me, so I'll do that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that was it. Like, honestly, it's really... It's kind of embarrassing, but yeah, I I literally kind of just fell into it. Um, did you watch uh, many
1: cartoons or animated things or were you just interested in film, like you say?
2: Yeah, I mean, like I wouldn't have been... I got When I got to college, I definitely realized that I wasn't as like well-versed in animation as a lot of my classmates. There was definitely a bit of imposter syndrome, but I did... I did like, I mean, like, I, this is, this is actually really embarrassing and I shouldn't admit this, but we had a VHS of (laughs) Song of the South. (laughs) Oh, nice. Uh, Yeah. It was like, we had Song of the South and we had Lion King and we, those are the two films that we would just watch like all the time. Um, we didn't really have any channels on TV, so it was just, just um, and obviously I was too young to understand at the time that Song of the South is incredibly racist but I have yes. to say like that's it's probably like, like I loved them. Like I, I really, really loved those two films. And then like, obviously I guess I would have liked a lot of the, how do you say it? Uh, Supo cartoons. Yeah. Like I Rogue loved Graffs those when I was a teenager. Like that's yes, told by Ginger and all that. Um, mm-hmm. But I wouldn't have been like big into Ghibli or, you know, you know, the way a lot of people were kind of, yeah. you know, or even like a lot of the other Disney films. I think I just really liked art and, films in general um so yeah when I got to college I was definitely a bit like oh I haven't seen any of these films that you're t- you're referencing There's uh, um, but it worked out okay I mean I reckon maybe I had a unique a more, like a unique kind of I was fresh I guess in that sense
1: mm. yeah I think um you know um in regards Song of the South I haven't actually seen it but um oh, was like, like, really
2: good. <laughs> have- yeah, like I've seen some
1: clips. <laughs> yeah. Oh sorry, I'm talking over you. Um I've seen some clips and like the animation in it is fantastic. Also I love um live action mixed with animation.
2: Why, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like you know, like who framed Roger Rabbit and stuff like oh, that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really like Like, I recommend watching it, but then there's also, there's a book I read on it, because I I have to say, like, I didn't really understand, like, I guess I was ignorant. I didn't really understand Mm -hmm. what was wrong with it, so I bought this book. It's called Who's Afraid of Song of the South? And I think it's by, like, a Disney archivist or something, Um, but it's really interesting. It kind of just runs through what was happening at the time in America and, like, like why it was wrong and why it was, like, a little bit kind of insensitive, I guess. but it's, I mean, like, you have to admit that the, the animated scenes in it are, are really beautiful. Um, yeah, they are. And also the
1: characters, because it's such a shame that they're buried in this movie then, because, yeah. like, I was watching it recently uh, for something I'm going to mention as my Whistle While You Work, so a teaser for later. But it was a, a YouTube video about uh, the ride Splash Mountain. Yes. Yeah. Because all the characters from that are used in it, obviously, with yeah. some notable exceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, but that... Yeah, like you you see those characters and and that ride, like even in itself is like a gorgeous ride. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm just like, it's such a shame that, and also, of course, like everybody knows Zippity-Doodah, like one of the best songs ever has to be fucking, again, like tarnished by being associated with this movie.
2: It's really interesting, like how they, um, like how they have Splash Mountain and, The characters are on it but they won't like a lot of people think that they should release because they've never released it on anything other than VHS like it's literally cut like it's gone even when they announced that they're doing like a streaming platform um I think it's one of the I think it's the only title that is isn't going to be on it I I read Hmm. somewhere on the internet like it would almost it would almost benefit them to like own up to it and say we're really sorry like even release it with like um a like what would you call it a disclaimer A disclaimer? yeah because it is an interesting part of history like i'm not saying they should put it out there and like profit from it in any way but like like yeah like that's the problem
1: with it because like with um with warner brothers did that like they have that in front of their racist cartoons like oh it was a different time but exactly as you're saying like as part of a historical document it should be out there because disney is such a a brand
2: they just refuse to have
1: anything negative associated with their name
2: yeah just sweeping it under the carpet like it never happened hmm. but then you know still having Splash Mountain it's it's a little bit hypocritical anyway yeah so I um that was I I
1: guess I thought something different about it. I thought like I had imagined you being like this obsessive animator type person and then uh oh. you know not having uh people in common and then I was wondering how people um you know, cause like uh, I came up to Dublin and I was from a, a pretty uh, remote area, but I was like very online. So I knew a lot about like cartoons and animation, but like you go into, I remember having an argument with like a guy I went to school with just being like, he was like, oh, family guy is funnier than the Simpsons. And I was like, oh, well actually uh, the Simpsons had nine seasons where it's like, oh, nerd, you're a nerd. And you're just like, oh God. Um, so (laughs) I guess I was just like, I thought it would be a similar thing that maybe, you know, you found a kinship when you went up and how you ended up liking the things you liked. Uh, but like, what type of stuff did you like then when you were a teenager that kind of, you know, led Uh, you to film,
2: I guess? Yeah. Let me think. I don't know. I guess I like, I kind of, well, I've been exaggerating when I said we had no channels. Like we had like maybe maybe when i was like a little um i remember we had we had I, when the bugs life came out i don't know what age i would have been like nine or ten i was obsessed with the bugs life right. have you ever played the?
1: yeah i have uh, i remember very oh my- f- i remember it very fondly and then oh. i remember my parents looking at it at the time and going like these graphics are it's a phenomenal what they can do <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was because it was like, you you know, like you were running around and you were him. Like it wasn't like a 2D kind of, it was huge. Like I, I was obsessed with it. Um, well, yeah. Like I mentioned Class Supo. Like I, I definitely liked a lot of their stuff. Um, I remember watching a lot of cat dog. Like I just watched cartoons. Like, I don't think I had like taste per se, to be honest. Um, like, I don't know. I feel like I definitely had that phase where I was like, "I'm too old to like cartoons," you know. Mm, totally, but, same yeah. here. That
1: was, this fucking guy, I remember he like made. I was watching Kim Possible, and he's like, "You're not watching this fucking children shit, are you?" Yeah.
3: And
1: uh, <laughs> it was so,
2: it was so heartbroken. I didn't know what to watch. Mm, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, guy, um, mm-hmm. I, like, I definitely would would have stopped watching cartoons at one point, and then, you know, when you like. I don't know. Like, I guess it was like an identity thing. You know, when you're a teenager and you're like, you discover Salvador Dali and you like, mm. discover and you're like, Oh, I'm an artist. You know, like you just have to, it's just bullshit. Like
1: I, so I, I, funny. Remember
2: where I was like, Oh, I want to be an artist. And I, I definitely would have spent a couple of years. It's just like, just like looking at fine art, I guess. Like that sounds really wanky, but like, <laughs> it's like, I had to like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, it's like I had to to get back into animation I had to like kind of go through that you know
1: oh I totally get because it, cause it legitimizes up that my stuff because, I don't know because like when I was younger as well like I mean this is what I ended up getting drawn to these like you know It's a bit dumb, but like those like nostalgia critic videos. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because what happens is the nostalgia like I mean, and they're they're absolute trash, but they were like the first I'm sorry if anybody likes them. Um like, you know, I just grew out of them. Um but when I watched them, um I guess I'd never seen such a kind of deep discursive essay about cartoons, you know, like he would talk for like half an hour about like the page master or something, you know? Yeah. And, um, it was amazing to hear somebody talk, uh, like, and it also, like, even the angry video game nerd, because he was talking about, like, what was considered, you know, lowbrow art. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think there was, like, an effort, like, you think back to even in comics, for example, you know, the way they have, like, uh, there people always point to the 80s and they'll point at like, Watchmen and uh, the Dark Knight um dark what is it dark Knight returns or something anyway like just these influential comics that kind of legitimize them as a sort of art form or mouse mouse obviously a big one um and yeah like what you're saying there makes a lot of sense then because you're like oh you know drawings are for kids and then all of a sudden you get into like the fine art stuff and you realize like it's the same practice you know like Yeah.
2: yeah like i remember like discovering like you know like matisse henry matisse like he'd be Mm. like one of my favorite artists i guess or you discover like egon sheila and you're and then you like it's like you almost have this new way to look at animation then like you have to like backtrack in order to to go forward if that makes any sense um but i think i just i mean like i was a teenager i think i just got like really like deep you know for a few years (laughs) which was really stupid um but I, I guess it happens to everyone, but I definitely thought I was too cool for animation and then like jokes on me, you know, I went mm. to study it and I I kind of like I have to admit when I started in college I I wasn't very good. Like I definitely thought that I was in the bottom like rung of the class. Like wow, really? I didn't I didn't feel like I had any taste. Like I was I was I definitely was a bit of an imposter. I like I didn't know what kind of an artist i wanted to be i just had to kind of try everything before i figured that out but i remember when i was in second year i remember finding like you know like getting into just like going through like vimeo and like finding stuff i remember laura venables showed us do you remember the cecilia shout out to laura laura venables yeah um do you remember do you remember that cecilia and herself on video that evan worked on it and i think it was adrian Marigo, i just butchered his name but it's the villagers video that they did oh i didn't know they. Did. i did not know they did a Villagers yeah. video oh my god you should watch it, it i saw yeah. it when i was i think i was in it could have been the end of first year first or second year and i saw that video and i was like oh my god i was just like my, my brain just exploded i was like it's so beautiful mm. um, and i it was just so well designed it was so it was kind of like french you know is it called um,
1: um, Cecilia and
2: Herself Hood does that make sense yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, Um. it's all like it's digital but it all looks very like hand drawn it's just it's just really gorgeous and I think and it was only Evan like McNamara around then
1: for the uninitiated sorry
2: Evan, Evan, yeah Paper Panther yeah Um. Mm-hmm. there's a sequence that he worked on and it's just it's just amazing like I think it started to click once I started seeing things that I really liked, uh, discovering like the goblan films, mm. um, things like that. I just kind yeah, of, there's like, guess, like,
1: take- it, that is a thing because like, there is like a lack of exposure to stuff, do you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. when I was, um, I was kind of spoiled many anyways, because my mom was actually very good about this stuff. She would like keep an eye on the papers and see what was happening and, uh, you know, make sure that I went to any animated thing that was happening, you know, um, but she, but it kind of made me a bit of a snob, you know, because when I got to our college and people were going on about Ghibli, I'd be like, uh, yeah. I know. I know who that is, you know?
2: I'm like the opposite of you. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> we would have not been friends in first year. <laughs> <laughs> no, it
1: was a different thing because I just think, like, I remember one time. Um, sorry if this is anybody who's listening to, did, did this, but um, it was, um, I think there was like the Lion King was showing in 3D down at, uh, in the Dunleary, the IMC. And uh, they shared an event page and somebody was like, if you don't want to see this, you may as well not be in animation. (laughs) That would be me. It's like kind of like... You might have, I might have enjoyed something, but I would hate to be seen to enjoy something yeah. like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've kind of gotten over that and um, a little bit. I mean, I'm still like, I'm, st- with, I'm like that with Pixar now, funnily enough. I used to be very pro Pixar, but now I'll be like, ugh, Coco,
2: fuck that shit, you know? <laughs> Coco was good, um, no? Was it good? I, I didn't it. see it. I thought it was, me and, you know, Joe Loftus, we had a big argument about this. Shout out to yeah. you.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, shout out to him, definitely.
2: <laughs> he hated it. I I thought it was like I I would have said it was like 6 or 7 out of 10, but it was it's like it's Pixar, like you kind of you you don't have yeah. to be surprised by a Pixar movie, but like it's always nice.
1: Like, yeah, I kind of like I've gone I've gone real cold on them. Um I think I it started with Brave mm-hmm. because um because of the background on that and then it's like, you know, they made all these changes And okay, here's what, here's my theory on Brave and I don't know if this is true. Okay. But either way, uh, when Brenda Chapman, when the first trailer and the title was released, Brenda Chapman had something, the bear and the bow, and it felt like it was going to be this fantasy epic. Mm -hmm. And then they like kicked her off and all of a sudden there was like more humor and jokes and lightheartedness, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, it annoyed me because it felt like part Disney princess film and then part like kind of bit too slapstick you know yeah and i just felt like i i could see the film that brenda chapman would have made had they yeah. allowed her to make it mm. and um that kind of, it kind of made me a little cold to them because it made me feel like, Oh, they've got a formula and they're determined to stick to it. And then they had like this trifecta of like films that I would not fucking see in a million years, which is cars three and, uh, controversially monsters you, because I just don't want a fucking prequel to, you know, what I thought is a perfect succinct movie. It could only make it worse. You know, um, I did eventually watch it and I think it was ill conceived because like, it's it's kind of Americans making a film that they think is like cliched, but mm-hmm. a lot of people don't really understand college movies over here, if that makes sense, you know? What was the third? Um, don't oh, God. Third. Fuck. Oh, did I only mention it? So I said, Bra- no, yeah, Brave, Cars 2, oh, and then oh uh, oh. Brave. And then this one, because I'd include Brave, because it was kind of like a missed opportunity to do something, yeah, there was you know? Missing from that film, for sure. Yeah. And then the other one that was, I, I controversially don't like, uh, is inside out. I don't like that.
2: Um, yeah, I don't I, like yeah. as amazing as everybody. I think I saw like after the hype, I, I think I watched it at home. I didn't see it in the cinema and I was like, Oh, that I was going kind to, of like, that's it. You know? Cause everyone, yeah, exactly. Everyone was so obsessed with it. Um, yeah. Do you I know, did not. Oh, sorry. Go on. What did you think? of the good dinosaur i didn't see it that's an interest that divides people i find
1: i gotta watch it i saw like a clip of it online and i was surprised at how
2: crappy it looked
1: yeah Um, the
2: design is is weird but i mean it was it's i don't know why but i went into that and i just fucking loved it but it really might be because it's very similar to the lion king like the vibe the, the story like the story arcs and the way it's all you know I'll let you watch it I won't I won't say anything but yeah I, I really liked it weirdly enough that's cool Um, I you know I'm definitely going to
1: watch that now because I was tempted because the story appealed to me but yeah.
2: um, it so did you didn't fucking it like a well. I think it was Stephen Dugman I think he was like he thought god I don't want to say it in case it wasn't him there was somebody else who I would hold in high respect that also said it was amazing but everyone else seems to hate it it's super weird um one of the things one of my complaints that i have about coco is that
1: um like a kind of they've adopted a kind of style now and it just their movies look very similar to each other and then i'd seen that uh the book of life yes uh, i love that yeah and that was a, that was a bit of a shame there was a th- there was a problem with that movie in that clearly some exec lost faith in it and they were like we need some narrative device where a bunch of kids are telling the fucking story you know mm-hmm. and so everything that was based in like this museum where the, the the narration is happening that was all terrible yeah and everything in between was absolutely fantastic and it was one of the most gorgeous lush movies about you know um the day of the dead yeah.
2: have you seen the art book no oh it's Ooh. so good it's I'm like look that up i think it's like my second favorite art book ever it's that's so, amazing it's so strange like the artist you know when you can just tell that they like got a bunch of illustrators on board who like didn't work at disney
1: yeah totally <laughs> like, i mean that's the fucking thing you know like sorry go on i didn't mean to cut across you um no i just got that um um i got the I managed to take a peek at the Incredibles art book recently. And my friend was like looking at it and he has no animation background at all. Mm. And he's like looking at this and going like, and would any of these drawings be helpful? Like, you know, because they're all just like fucking triangles with fringes or something. Like they're really abstract and jaunty and out there, but you can see their influence in the movie. And then there's always a part of you which feels like, fuck, I almost wish that they'd stopped it a little bit before this process and just yeah. made this, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it's a really good art book. Yeah. Um, and then what was the other one? Oh, and then um, I remember seeing the what's it, David Scarf drawings of Hades for the Hercules movie. Oh, yeah. they're yeah. so good.
2: Have you ever seen the, um, oh, what's the film? The Crudes, right? Oh, not a very good film. Oh, yeah. The art book is so good though. Have you, have you ever seen that? Oh my God. Um, I haven't, but I'd
1: imagine it is because of that guy. What's his name? Sanders, Chris Sanders. That's it. Yeah. Wow. He's amazing.
2: Yeah. It's just like, it's like they were just on speed. Like, well, it wasn't, oh, that's, it's not like that but it's just you know in that movie it's like mixing plants and animals and it's just like there's all this crazy stuff in there and loads of stuff that didn't get into the movie it's really really good Um, I recommend it you know One time I saw there's
1: like an extensive one thing, two things I just want to correct. One is that I said David Scarf and I meant Gerard Scarf. And that reminded me of uh, a correction I need to do where I called it When the Whistle Blows was a Jimmy Marikami film. But actually it's when the wind blows, I think, isn't it? Mm -hmm. When the Whistle Blows is from um, that quite dated uh, Ricky Gervais show, isn't it? (laughs) Extras is kind of dated pretty badly. I mean, I'll say like, you know, there's a lot of kind of race stuff and about like, uh, you know, the disabled in there and you're like, oh, this is edgy comedian Ricky Gervais. And then years later, he's like, are you triggered? And then he's like, okay, we need to look back on that and realize that actually he's not this out there, you know? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but anyway what was I saying there about uh, you mentioned something and then it sparked something in me um, Chris Sam- LaCruz oh yeah yeah that was it so <laughs> I saw there's very extensive behind the scenes footage for uh, Lilo and Stitch and uh, it's I think he he directed it but his co-director was like Dean DiBladis isn't that his name yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Chris Sanders is like he's like yeah, just do these silly voices, and we were doing this, and I I was doing this one all the time. We thought that's the voice of Stitch, and so that's why I ended up voicing Stitch. And then they show like footage of him just in the writers' room, and it's like I would have like murdered this man on day one. He looks like the most (laughs) annoying man in the world. Yeah, he's like imagine imagine Stitch's voice, but somebody just talking to you like, can you get me a coffee, please? (laughs) And you're like, man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um okay yeah. so yeah and so what stuff did you uh gravitate towards in college then like what kind of inspired uh, you then
2: um I guess like like I mean I really just dived into the goblan stuff I think when I was in college yeah um I mean like when did paranormal come out we were in college then right yeah that was like two I'm gonna say
1: 2010 no oh, that can't be right no
2: like 12 or
1: 13 yeah 2012 you're right yeah it has to be 2012 Um,
2: like that was that was really like amazing I think um like getting to see that and then the art book and I like I'd never seen Coraline so yeah um that was just like wild like what who's the is it Heidi Smith who did all the she might have been the art director I remember seeing all her sketches of the characters and just like they looked so like naive and like but they were so cool and yeah that really just like blew my mind um i guess there's a lot of artists that i still love today who would have been like coming out of goblan around that time as well um like do you like do you know chloe nicolay she's like one of my favorite illustrators um no i haven't heard of her there's also this guy i'm gonna not be able to say his name right i'm just gonna say it phonetically Aurelien Pradal, <laughs> somebody's gonna laugh at that, oh, um, wow. he's like, he's basically the art director on Moon, you know, the M-U-N-E, no he wasn't, he was a concept artist on Moon, um, and then there's a guy called Remy Salmon, I think they might have all been Goblin. I got really into like, their stuff, um, do you, have you ever seen that, that film, about, it's called La Royale, and it's like, about beavers? Mm. Like, this king, this, like king who like gets all these beavers to build him like a castle basically yeah i think you'd i think you'd recognize it so it was i think it came out in like 2010 or 11 and that yeah. when, you know when you just like watch the same video over and over again because you're like i want yeah. to draw like that <laughs> that was yeah. oh there we go yeah, yeah. I've seen this is it yeah. a short is it or is it a feature yeah, it, no it's a it's a, a graduate graduate short i think Oh, fuck, I know I know. it was like I couldn't believe that this place existed and these people were so good and then you kind of yeah. learn that like it's expensive and you have to have like a degree before you even
1: yeah yeah
2: and you kind of start to understand it but
1: yeah I, yeah it, there was always a beat where you just kind of feel like a bit of a, a failure yeah. you know once you discover these people <laughs> exist and you're like man I gotta compete against these fuckers like yeah. seriously exactly um what happened to me is I kind of just gave up. I was like, I was always trying to reach like, like I always had these goals in, in mind that I wanted to achieve. And then I just felt like hopelessly outgunned by people like Stephen Deignan. And, uh, I remember just, uh, pivoting and being like, well, if I can't be as good as I want to be, then I'm going to try and be like, you know, come up with a specific style that I'd like, you know? though. Um, I remember that was really funny say that again do you say my your
2: graduation film was was deadly
1: um that like it kind of I've botched it a lot because I didn't get it completed by the time and I had to like do it again basically the next year well I didn't do it for college I did it for me which is apparently something that people don't do that often (laughs) Um, yeah um so uh, I looked at it again and I have huge problems with it but I did the best I could with the knowledge I had and um yeah, the characters are now in a kind of uh sequel short, which is gonna be out soon in festivals, hopefully. Ooh. So, um, and that looks like so much fucking better. Yeah. Um yeah, I really can't wait for people to see this one. Um it's called Kablamy Dodger, so keep your eyes out. <laughs> eyes o- eyes out, eyes open, whatever. Um, yeah, no, I think that um that's another thing as well. We were talking about this previously, but um I do think it's an important point to not kind of compare yourself to other people too much, in the point that it should interfere with you making your own work, you know? Yeah. Because there is a kind of, you know, you feel like kind of hopeless and you're like, fuck it, I just want to give up, you know? But you should. You should uh, keep, you should be inspired by other people's work and not be competing against it is yeah. basically, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's unavoidable, but because, you, you know, you're the green eyed monster, you know, just be like, you know, yeah, uh, rearing its ugly head in you. But I, all I can say is that like, you know, it's better to become friends with these people than to be kind of embittered by them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, That's Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, your transition to the industry and how you found it. Did you immediately go into sort of employment as soon as you left school Um, or college?
2: Yeah, I actually think I got in trouble for missing the last day of college because I was starting work.
1: (laughs) Oh, God damn it.
2: (laughs) Well, I guess like in
1: your final year, did you have um, a lot of trouble essentially? Not trouble, but like how did you... On top of juggling the films, uh, from my perspective, it kind of felt like you were also juggling a lot because you were also in charge of the Animation Society, as far as I remember.
2: Um, when I was in when I was in my final year, it was actually Emily that was running it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, because I think what we were doing at the time was you you manage it in second or third year and then give it away because you just just don't have the time. But yeah, but I I, I guess yeah. I was the class rep, me and, and then me and Steven were like in charge of the, uh, exhibition. So there was, there was a lot to juggle. Like I did find it definitely overwhelming, Mm. Um, but I think like maybe in a way me doing all of that stuff was like a way for me to procrastinate (laughs) my film. Right. (laughs) But, um, no, I mean, fourth year, like I definitely had good feelings and bad feelings when I left. um, like i ended up making a film but i kind of realized halfway through that i didn't want to make a film which i think mm. is, something that is is quite common um yeah i mean it was good i mean I, I got i got a lot of experience like we like we were in put put in charge of like organizing the the studios coming in so i got to meet a lot of people um like yeah i guess I guess overall it was good. It did prepare me. Like I did, I did an internship after my third year um, in the summer uh, with a right. really, really small company. Uh, I think there was, it was three of us. So it was the two guys who owned the studio and then me. And it was like, it wasn't like an unpaid internship. I think I got like 200 quid a week. So it was like barely enough mm-hmm. to live on. But at the time, I guess in like 2013, it would have been a bit cheaper to live in Dublin. Yeah. Um, so I did that and I was just basically designing props I think mostly. I might have done a couple of backgrounds but I was terrified when I went into that. Like I was really mm. like I definitely would have put on a front of being a bit like, oh I'm I'm confident, you know, I you know, I'm a people person, but when I went into that I remember being like, Oh my god, like this is where this is either gonna make me or break me and it was just Yeah I was so dramatic about the whole thing. But I ended up I ended up enjoying it. Yeah, it was good. Like I definitely was so lucky to get that before my final year because it completely just like, what's the word? Like it kind of, like I wasn't, Blame. I wasn't afraid of the, of the industry anymore, basically. Like you kind of mm. this like everyone's fine. Like nobody's judging you or nobody's, you know, like you kind of think when you're in college that everybody's terrifying. I don't know. Did you ever think that?
1: Well, that's because they make, like, in personal opinion, that's because they make you think that because they kind of set this up, like, um, even lecturers I liked would be saying stuff like, do you think you'd get away with that in the industry? Yeah. And it's like, it's this kind of inconquerable thing. And it's like impossible to imagine being in it. And like, even until this year, I was under the impression or sorry, even until last year, I was under the impression that it was a finely tuned machine where everybody had their role and knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. But actually you find out it's like, the industry is a lot like Photoshop. Yeah. Um, you know, there are a lot of useful things in there, but ultimately there's a bunch of tools that are surplus to requirement, you know? <laughs> uh, Wow. Personal opinion, personal opinion. I'm just joking.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But I'm just trying to say that essentially that... Um, Yeah. Like it it did feel very intimidating. And, um, and yeah, I could see then how just having that little cushion of even a month or two working somewhere else would be amazing. And especially to get it in third year. And then the other thing about that then is, you know, the way the intimidating thing of like, Oh, have I've been, you need to have been working within the industry for two and a half years, you know? yeah um, Yeah, but then like if you do like an internship and then you do like your end of year film like you haven't been working in the industry necessarily but it does make you more comfortable making that statement you know
2: you dipped your toe in a little bit yeah. mm. <laughs> and I lived I actually lived with Anita at that time as well and she was in Boulder in that summer so like I had a friend who was in the industry so it was like not so daunting basically um but well, well, I want to give a
1: shout out to LSAD then uh, for, or Clonmail. Uh, they still haven't verified. Got a message from LSAD, LIT, Clonmail. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Is there two courses? Is there one? But Ooh. either way, um, I have, I worked in uh, Pink Kong uh, on my series, Ends Meet. And uh, in there, um, their, they had um, an intern. Uh, for about two weeks who was coming in from, um, LSAD and they were great. And then I was in Treehouse the next year and there was an intern LSAD, intern LSAD, uh, from, uh, in Paper Panther as well, as far as I know. And basically, yeah, like I said, these were people who were in third or fourth year. So that is an incredible thing to do. And colleges should be organizing that. And if you aren't, you need to be looking at yourself.
2: Yeah. I actually, I went to their grad show last year or the year before. No way. That was really good. Yeah, I remember we we went because uh, one of Owen's friends was in it, but I kind of just like, you know, popped into the like animation section. And I remember thinking like the standard was really high considering I hadn't really heard, you know, like when you're up in, in Dublin totally. in a bubble, like you, you kind of just like, oh, you know like yeah i mean like it was really good like really really good
1: um my first introduction to this course was i was at something that was like an industry event or something organized by animation skill net and one of their lecturers was there and i was like this is unheard Mm -hmm. of the idea of a lecturer in animation (laughs) attending a fucking event to learn something you know (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I was, I was, that was immediately had it in my head. It's like, you know, obviously since it's such a new course, um, I was talking to some of the graduates and they were like, Oh no, it's a bit ropey. And like, there are better stuff other, other places. And it was like, there's, there might be technically better stuff, but there's not as informed stuff, you know, because you can have, like, I've noticed that a lot of people who, people are like, those people are amazing. It's like, they kind of went into the institutions amazing and they got better, you know? Yeah. I think that the stuff that they made is like, I could see the thought process behind it so much more clearly than like, you can tell when somebody, you've got like a fucking genius on your hand, you know? (laughs) Um, and yeah, anyway, I don't know what point I was necessarily trying to make there, but I guess you just can't judge, uh, your, again, can't judge your work by the standard of other people. Um, yeah. so yeah. Um, but yeah, that's LSAD another shout out to them. I shout out to them too much, but honestly they're, they're like, they come to Hackfest every year and they, some people are always submitting some films and, uh, it's great to see people independently working on stuff. Yeah. Um, so what I wanted to, yeah. Um, so yeah, like you said, you kind of got like desensitized to the industry. You went in there, you got yourself, um, so you then were working in unnamed and, um, you worked there for how many years? Uh, my last job, four and a half years. Yeah. Okay, cool. And like, did you find then that you, um, like, okay, one one thing I want to ask you about really quickly, like you were in backgrounds basically, weren't you? Yeah. I started in, in production backgrounds. Okay, good, and no, this is a really dumb question, but it's something that I need to, I need to know. <laughs> um, when you set up a file, like what would the dimension sizes be for that file, depending on the background? You um, know?
2: I guess you'd work like 16,9 and then like okay. double HD. So like I think it's like four to uh, number four two f- five oh by like 2000 something. Mm. yeah so like big that's that's double hd like we would always do double hd but um some people just some people go bigger if your computer
1: (laughs) and um is there any kind of little tips or notes that you'd give about background stuff or like um lessons or in particular that you learned in your time in um the industry that kind of you could uh, give to certain people because that's one thing that i always get like i was very frustrated with in college is just kind of not having this knowledge about backgrounds, you know what I mean? I was
2: always missing a key component, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Um, Yeah, I think a lot of people who go into it kind of end up being self-taught and like, in that sense, I would definitely recommend, I mean, like I've been going on and on about art art of books. I think that really helped me, like just like studying them. Um, There's like really good online courses, like you definitely don't need to go to college nowadays if you're disciplined enough take yeah. an online course like the schoolism courses are like I think I think they're like oh god maybe I shouldn't don't quote me I think it's like 30 dollars for a year really no maybe that's wrong I don't know but um there's amazing amazing courses like um you know Nathan Fox like he teaches courses and you just have to sign up and you have access to his classes mm. you can also take like actual classes where like they'll give you feedback but I think they're really expensive but I, I like that would be probably my biggest piece of advice like also like I mean I guess I would have I would have looked through a lot of portfolios when I was there and like the biggest the biggest thing that used to bug me was like not seeing any variety in a portfolio like mm. if you're doing backgrounds if you really want to be a background artist you have to be prepared to like have as many different I guess, styles and, like, like, interior, exterior, science fiction, like, just have as many different, like, kind of a, a broad range of styles as you can. Hmm. Um, but, like, I mean, I, f- I feel like you can tell when somebody is just slaving over it. Like, if you really, like, Drawing backgrounds, though you'll you'll have you'll do your studies and you'll do your like turnarounds and you'll do your you know like you'll put mm. that in your portfolio and you'll be able to see it. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess like just en- enjoy it. <laughs> Is that like mm, yeah. uh, advice to give somebody?
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> I mean, um. Like, and- oh, I have to say, sorry, studies. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of people lately doing um like uh like studies from like painters like great you know like um, master painters like literally just taking something that you love or take a scene from a film and just paint it like you learn so 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 much from doing that um Mm. i think it's i heard a i heard an
1: interesting thing as well this is about storyboards but there is something to it as well where it's like he was like take a sequence from a movie you like and literally just trace over it you know yeah yeah
2: it's a really good way to learn it's like It's like, you know, when you were in like secondary school and I don't know if you did this, but I used to literally rewrite the paragraphs in, from, from books that I had to learn. I'd rewrite them in my own handwriting in order to learn, Mm. like it's, that's the exact, it's the exact same thing, really. I mean, like. Bloody swat. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. kidding. (laughs) Yeah. I think, yeah, just study, just study a lot, like. Yeah. You need to be creating original stuff all the time. Like you can do draw this in your styles or you can do master studies or... Oh, those are pretty cool.
1: I actually quite like those. Yeah, I love them. I really got... I really was like... Uh, one of the kind of big um, inspirations for Hackfest was that they did an exhibition a few years ago. Um... And it was uh, a Simpsons exhibition where you do the Simpsons in your own style. And they got people from like NCAD to do stuff. And it was fucking yeah. class. Yeah.
2: Because you learn so much about your own style. And also like ju- just from like seeing the decisions that somebody else made that you would never have made yourself. Like, totally. Um, okay. So then you transitioned into being an art director. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like. Yeah. yeah. So I, I did concepts for a few months and then they just needed an art director and I, I guess like I'd been on the project the longest. So what
1: made you now? for those of you who don't know, Melissa is currently in London,
3: London,
1: <laughs> London, baby. Um, so what made you want to do this move to London without getting, you know, too, if, unless it implicates a bunch of people,
2: <laughs> I don't know. I mean like pretty simply put, I, I, I was kind of just bored. Um, like I felt very stagnant where I was and it wasn't anything to do with, it wasn't anything to do with the studio as at or, or the city. Well, it might've been a little bit about the city, but I mean, yeah, the city's tough, man. the, The studio or the industry, I could have just gone to another studio in Dublin. I think I just felt like I, I had been there. I'd been out of college for, I guess, like four and a half years and I just like wanted, I just wanted something like new. I just wanted a really big change. Um, And, like, London's super close, and (laughs) there's a lot of stuff to do here. (laughs) There's a lot of work here. Like, I think, yeah, I just just really needed to, like, be somewhere new, I think. Like, what happened for me was we went on a big holiday in August, and, like, I didn't even realize that I wasn't that happy, like, where I was. And then I went on the Mm -hmm. holiday, and I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm so excited every day, and this is... Do You ever have that? It's like, I do. Yeah. yeah. Like you do something and you're like, Oh, this is happiness.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, so numb. that's so funny.
2: That's, like, that's what it is. It's like, I, I thought that I'm like unhappy. It's that I'm just like a bit numb. I'm a bit like in a routine, you know, um, like the time is just going so fast. Um, yeah, I just decided I just wanted to do something and I have, I have friends here. Um, there's a good industry. So yeah, I made the move in mid January and it was oh
1: god so so even that recent i don't know why but it feels like you've been there for like months now already i mean you have because it is fucking
2: march it's really recent like i mean i'm definitely no expert on like the london industry because i haven't been here that long but Mm. i did i did make the move like pretty recently so uh
1: what's the energy like over there though like have you noticed a massive change between dublin and here and, and there you mean like in animation or just in general in kind of like, you know, workflow and kind of um, like, I imagine being in a studio, like is is it much different to the kind of big studio that you were in before, you know?
2: Um, well, I, the studio I'm in now is very small compared to it. So, I mean, it's, it's very different. Something that I found, and it's, it's something that I was warned about um, before I left is that it is very competitive here. Um, there does seem to be a lot more people going for jobs. Like I would have applied for, Jesus, I would have applied for every job I could have found, like maybe fifty or sixty jobs. And like I didn't hear back from most places, like like hmm. it did seem like like there's a lot of a lot of people here, like a lot more than in Dublin, um, going for jobs. But I mean, like, in that sense, it's like very fast paced. Um, like the people I'm working with are very passionate, you know, and you meet those people who are like
3: yeah.
2: everyone's young and still very optimistic and You know, like they have. You know, like you meet some some people in the industry. You meet and they're like a bit bitter because they've been in it so long and magic is kind of gone. I feel like he, like so far here in where I'm working now, there's a lot of that and like optimism, which is really nice. Um, I feel like I might have lost that a little bit, you know, just being in the same place for four and a half years.
1: Yeah, man. You kind of there is that thing. I I've noticed this with like certain people. They're like like, wow, I love the stuff that they're doing. And then after, like, years of being in in Ireland, you can kind of get beaten down a little bit. Um, Speaking on my own own behalf, anyway, like what I mentioned earlier does also factor into it, which is uh, I think Ireland is one of the few places that constantly has to define itself Mm -hmm. in films. Do you know what I mean? As in it's like, oh, we need an Irish bent. We need an Irish angle. And, like, you just see people... Compromising and compromising what they're doing until they have kind of lost that bit of passion. Do you know?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like everyone yeah. wants to make the secret of Kells. So like, it's almost like diluting. Like if that's what yeah. they want over, over again, you're 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 just losing the originality. Like that's been done. Yeah.
1: Or like you know you know like yeah, um, in certain schemes where I don't know like like you just look at some films that people have made and you're like, what inspired you to want to make this exactly? And you can see the like the monetary incentive, but it's just because people are kind of like, Again, living to, you know, kind of hand to mouth on a lot of projects and um, like, but yeah, as you said, like you got a lot of young people there. So it's like London is actually definitely like a young person's place because the passion is there, but it's like you now I'm going to make a a generalization and it might not be true, but it once was where it's like, oh, I'm going to live in a fucking I'm going to live in a kitchen in Hackney for 200 pound a month just so that I can work on a cartoon for, you know, 24 hours a day. And, yeah. uh, you know, once I get that experience, I can then leverage it to get onto bigger and better projects. You yeah. know. Yeah. But, um, I think that there is a bit of that in Ireland because you, you have to, like Dublin is pretty much the hub of like a lot of these animation studios. So people come up and then, you know, 70 or 80% of their income goes on rent yeah. and it kind of leaves no opportunity to progress. And then, you know, we kind of see ourselves as like an animation place, but in many ways, I sometimes feel like we're the equivalent of like, you know, like if in a different in a different timeline that Banksy um Simpsons intro where South Koreans are painting the cells mm. that would have been Irish people do yeah. you know what I mean like oh, yeah. like there is where our stuff is like out is we we take on the work of outsourced animation Absolutely. yeah and um uh, and you know there's nothing wrong with that but um it does leave a lot wanting for the creative fulfillment part. And then again, on top of that, I was okay. Sorry. Now I'm going on a big tangent, but me and my friend were like pitching. We were, we have this show pitch that we really wanted to do. And we wanted to do it with alternative comedians um, in the Dublin scene Mm. and we showed it to this guy to get his opinion on it. And he was like, first of all, if you brought this to RTE, they're going to look at it and they're going to essentially say, okay, well, RTE two already pitches to a niche audience. So when you use the word alternative, you're talking about a niche within a niche, Mm. which means we're not going to get any fucking money and we need the money to stay afloat and this, that, and the other. And it's like, so you can understand their incentive to do that. Mm. But on top of that, like there is a huge, monetary incentive by these funding bodies, but also that they're, you know, they require you to have an Irish identity with it. And then what is the Irish identity? You know, because yeah. again, like I went in and pitched a show again to our beloved state broadcaster, who I, I actually do like have a lot of respect for. And this guy in particular, I had a lot of time for, but he like, uh he said, about the show can you make it more irish you know yeah and uh i just remember thinking like i am irish do you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah. like i can't it's just this funny thing of like you know you're chasing the fucking irishness yeah and and as a result then yeah like you're saying it's like you know there isn't that same passion there because you know, you, you, you then have to stop making something that's personal mm. and you have to make something that's, uh, will sell mm. or has a national identity, which, you know, I, I guess I, I, you know, you think that you know, but you ultimately don't because no, you do. know,
2: yeah. I feel like when they say, show me something more like Irish, they're not asking you to like, what they're asking you is to show them something that they've seen before. Like, yeah. That's literally it. It's like, show me something Irish that I've seen before so people can look at it and think, oh, that you know looks like so and so like like it is uh, like you're like you said, you're Irish, like surely, surely that should make it Irish enough, like yeah, exactly like the same Irish yeah. content over and over again,
1: yeah, exactly because you know and and I think we we talked about with Niall briefly kind of mentioning it, but we were talking about kind of like you know how. Kind of comedy scenes tend to uh, you know the Irish comedy scene people tend to hire from stand up and now Twitter, mm-hmm. so it's all these t- type of like you know oh we all know what it's like to get a spice bag and a salt patine on a <laughs> on a Sunday morning, you know um yeah, <laughs> it's like when you had too many uh fucking buck fast the night before, and you know or whatever. <laughs> just about identity and how it's such a shallow concept to judge things by or yeah. like a shadow merit to evaluate stuff by Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean as in like oh this doesn't show enough of identity and it was like well it's a personal thing yeah so it can't show any more identity <laughs> like yeah, exactly like um, like do you want a copy of my fucking birth sir to like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like just yeah no anyway it just sounds amazing to be there and also like okay Again going off on a tangent, but like of course uh dairy girls had to be made in fucking England. Do you know what I mean? Not mm. uh, Made in England. Sorry. Well I, it was made by Hattrick Productions oh. with Channel Four.
2: Oh, I only I've watched like three episodes. I only started watching it last week.
1: That's, that's well, I think it's Hattrick, who were the same ones who did um Father Ted, obviously. Yeah. Which people famously and incorrectly say uh, they brought it to RT and RT turned it down. It's like they said the, the creators have said again and again, we never brought it to RT because we wouldn't want it to be an RT show. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, hat trick, and they make let's see. Yep, they make Dairy Girls, and they're based in London as well. But like it's that same thing of like you know, like you you think about how like there's a big appetite for Irish comedy over there because of the amount of people who've, uh, emigrated, mm. you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think that it just goes to show that the, the, the core story is always universal. Mm-hmm. Um, but that the, the decoration eh, for want of a better word that you put on it, like being in Derry during the nineties or, you know, um, oh, I don't know, you know, whatever you decide to do, um, that's the kind of part that will make it unique and yeah. uh yeah so anyway yeah I guess that's it you're saying London is a bit more like fast-paced but you're kind of getting to grips with it essentially
2: yeah yeah it's nice I like it it's a lot more
1: I don't know a colorful I guess how much does uh rent uh compare to in Dublin is it better or worse
2: The I, I think it's about the same to be honest okay right um, yeah. I mean, like I was only, I was actually only house hunting. This is the thing, right? So I was house hunting for like six days before I got something. Um, yeah. I only I got offered the first place I saw and then the third place I saw, which is the place that I'm in now. There's the rent is about the same. So it, it is like expensive, I guess. Like it's the same as like very inner city Dublin. Um, mm. But there's a lot of places like there's, there's so much accommodation that it actually is a fast process, even though the rent is. Hmm. high. the only thing is the referencing is something that I wasn't used to when I got here. Is like you know, like there's independent like referencing companies that you have to go through. Hmm. They like basically you have to have like you know like a million references, and we had to get like a reference from a friend, like a like a personality reference, I guess. No way. Yeah, I got Judith to do it. It was so. <laughs> I <weird. laughs> yeah, was like. It's such a weird process, um, but it actually, the it was pretty seamless, like, the move other than that. I definitely, yeah, I mean, it's, like, people should see it as an option. Like, it's very close. Like, it's an hour on a plane. Um, the only thing, I mean, I don't want to, like, I don't know what's going to happen with Brexit, so <laughs> I don't know how mm-hmm. it's going to be. But, like, for me, assuming, like, that it's gonna be the same process for, as it was for me. Like the only thing, like there's a list of things you obviously have to do, but it's, it's actually very straightforward. You just have to get your national insurance number and that basically allows you to work and like get the NHS. And that takes about six weeks, but like once you have your interview done, I think you can like start working. And like once you have that, that's... Would you see like a massive difference
1: between Dublin and London or is it like something you would say like, oh no, if you're kind of nervous about going somewhere, don't be nervous.
2: I, yeah. I mean, I used to hate working in like the very city centre of Dublin because it's like, I f- it's very sad. Like it's a very grey city and yeah. like, like no disrespect to it. Like I, I I loved it as well. But like like, I would definitely say... London's more pleasant, I find, and maybe it's just because I'm in like a slightly like nicer area. But like, mm. like obviously, like there's so many homeless in Dublin, and like, like, you know, it's not that cl- it's not a very clean city, and mm. like, there's not always as m- like I found that once I'd been there for four years, I'd kind of felt like I'd kind of experienced everything that I could have.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah, and you'd exo- and also there's like in london there's like events going on every other day and like exhibitions and this that and the other and it's like it's really funny because i'm saying this to kayla because i wanted to move and then she was like exhibitions like you'd ever go to a fucking museum you know yeah yeah (laughs) like i don't go there but i was like i might if i was in london you know (laughs) but um yeah but yeah it's it 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 always feels very intimidating because like any time I've been there, it's like this place is so fucking massive. It's like yeah. the universe. I can't keep it in my fucking head.
2: There's so but much culture like, as well. Yeah. That's the thing. Like we're, like where we're living, there's like a huge like Caribbean culture and there's like a huge like Turkish culture and there's you hear all this. and you know, look just walking in the street, you see all these different people. It's so multicultural. It's so colorful. Like mm. like it's just yeah. It's it's just a lot nicer. I I think. Um, okay. Cool. Ask me again a well, year, and I might say something different, but I'm still kind of in the honeymoon phase. I think of being in London. Sure.
1: Can I ask you one quite last question about this now and then we'll try and we'll just wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, do you think you would have had the portfolio to compete in London had you come straight out of college?
2: Uh. Yes. I mean. Okay. I, I think. I, there was a lot. There's a lot of small studios in London. Like when I think about London studios, I think of like Cartoon Network and Jellyfish and Blue Zoo, and they're all like these huge studios. Definitely, I wouldn't. I don't think I would have been good enough for those studios. But like you, you kind of have to. Like there was. A, there's a lot of very small studios. There's a lot of like commercial mm. studios. There's a lot of like it's not just TV. So I think like leaving college realistically, if I came here, I probably would have eventually got something
1: i think okay cool well that's just a good thing to like mention to people because like yeah like you say it is an option yeah and And just yeah
2: a lot of preschool work here and that doesn't always require the same like portfolio as you know working on a age like 10 Mm -hmm. to 12 show
1: and not to mention like but you, you know Yeah, because you mentioned there, it's like, oh, it's great because it's, like, exciting and it's competitive and it's got a lot of young blood in it. And then to, like, some people you'd be like, oh, fuck, like, how am I meant to do that? Mm. But, you know, like you say, it's, like, it's not just those studios. There's also, like, you know...
2: There's a lot of small studios, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you can get your experience and your licks in somewhere and you don't have to do it in a kind of city that'll bleed you dry and make you a little bit depressed. Yeah, Um,
2: yeah. And the good... Something else that's nice about here is, like... uh, the like there are big studios, but like a lot of the work would be like shorter contracts, mm. um, which I think is actually quite a nice thing. Like my current contract is only six months, and then I know that you know like either it's going to be renewed or I can just jump around somewhere somewhere else. You know, and it seems to be mm. like, a normal thing here that people would jump around. There seems to be a lot more of like a freelancing kind of culture as well. Mm. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially like I've definitely noticed it in like the Hackney area anyway that there's a lot of like freelancing is a big thing.
1: I mean, I'm sure it's cool for a while and then you kind of want to settle down and do something. But for like, you know, until, you know, fucking for a good few years now, anyway, hopefully fingers crossed for me anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that it's, it's all right to have like, you know, um, you know, to be experimented and getting to, you know, getting
2: credits and getting creative and then whatever. Do you know what I mean? I mean, we were able uh, to find an apartment like, with me having a six-month contract and my boyfriend having nice. having no job. So, like, it definitely... In Dublin, I found that it was very hard to find a place unless you had full-time, permanent work, you know? I don't know.
1: This is, like, I'm going to cut this bit out because this is, like, a story to tell. Yeah. But I don't know if he told you about his um, experience getting an apartment and then the guy, like, down the phone to him said, like... Because he was complaining about something. Oh, yeah, because needed to sign on and he needed this particular piece of paper. And this letting agent, this fucking 21 year old guy is just dragging his feet, you know, <laughs> and eventually had to like ring him up and she's like, I really need that piece of paper. Like you said, you'd have it to me by last week. And if, like, I won't have any money. And this guy's like, listen, man, I gave you the apartment because I'm doing you a favor, you know? Wow. And uh, he was like, what? And then had to like go in and make a complaint but like just that type of thing it was like it's really he basically was kind of implying like so I gave it to you because I felt sorry for you Uh, and like and it's like it's like whatever I did everything I was supposed to do I gave you the money I look after the place it's not really any of your business what I do with it or what I need you to do, do you know yeah um it's this fucked up thing where like like it happens in everything it's like as soon as the imbalance in you know need and want or whatever like even in employment or something it's like all of a sudden people start getting like you know lippy do you know what i'm saying Uh, yeah it's like Um, like
2: you owe them something
1: yeah. yeah i'm not saying that for anybody who's working i'm saying that for fucking management you know what i mean like i just mean anybody who's like listen we're giving you something. We're giving you the opportunity. Yeah. And anybody who tries to make you feel grateful for doing work for them is like, fuck that, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, okay. Like I said, that bit gets cut. All right. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Sorry I kept you on for so long. It's been fucking hours now. So, um, a lot to talk about. Yeah, it was good. I really enjoyed it. And there was a lot of stuff in there, which is like a bit of an eye opener because we're very Irish focused and we don't look over that direction too often. Yeah. I I don't know, like, any animators except for maybe yourself who are over there. Oh, also, Liam McCartan is over there. Yeah. And he's doing, yeah. Who's who? Malinsky. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I forgot. But that's like a different thing. That's like the Royal College. I know a bunch of people who consider third level, but I don't know anybody who considers like a job, you know, very few people would be like, let's get up go and get like because again it's something that you're warned off of doing because it's like oh the rent is too high and the 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 environment is too hectic you know what I mean you'll get swallowed up by that place
2: (laughs) I also think we're kind of like nurtured like into thinking like the you know the Irish animation industry is so incredible and like I like like we never you kind of feel like you don't need to leave almost mm. because like everyone's always going on about how incredible it is and how much work there is. But like basically yeah. there's a lot more work over the pond. No, you're right. You're
1: completely right though. And also there's work in places that you wouldn't even consider necessarily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's it. You, you, there, there's more opportunity to do more creative things as well that mm. don't necessarily have to tick certain boxes for people. Um, okay cool so i guess to round off the show we'll do this thing that we usually do um called whistle while you work,
3: whistle while you work.
1: which is uh, i don't know if you listened to the pod before but we ask people what music or podcasts do you listen to while you work if you have a recommendation
2: um let me think okay so if anything have you ever heard uh, there's a podcast called song exploder have you ever heard of that
1: Oh God, that's an amazing podcast. Oh
2: good, yeah. I only discovered it a while back. Um, yeah, like it's really good because it's kind of both. It's kind of like you get your music and your podcast target. Mm,
1: totally. So that's great. And and like, I guess I'm thinking of a, I, I keep, I called it Whistle While You Work and we've only ever mentioned podcasts. Is there any Is there any album that you would recommend people listen to?
2: Um, There's an album that I, do, do you know Blind Melon? yeah yeah so i'm familiar with that i've like never been very into them just because i've never really listened to them but i recently discovered they've been i think it's their second album it's called soup um okay uh yeah i've really been enjoying that lately i guess it's kind of just like indie like early 90s kind of shite but
1: yeah yeah oh no i'm well into that no that's all my bag yeah, um, yeah so my my recommendation this week i teased it earlier is defunct land it's a youtube channel where a guy talks about uh abandoned or now defunct uh theme park rides and uh it is an absolute blast wow. so anyway it's really good and there's a, disney quest is a particularly interesting episode where it's like disney's attempt to make a bunch of arcades and the only real um alleged by perger. Is that the the only real motivation for them to go into arcades was to spite Jeffrey Katzenberg who was doing something similar at DreamWorks. So <laughs> that was amazing. Mm. Uh it's really good. Um and then for an album, I was thinking about this as well. And um I'm just gonna go through my my favorite albums um each week, I guess. Uh but at the moment I'm listening to Mmm Food by Doom F- Doom M F, isn't it? i don't know yeah <laughs> mf doom sorry mf doom it's uh, anyway he's a, a rapper from a rapper he's a rapper that always sounds so antiquated now doesn't it saying rapper
0: yeah white, yeah. right, doesn't
1: it <laughs> yeah so it's like a hip-hop artist from um brooklyn and uh yeah it's it's very good stuff i think also it's it's particularly appropriate because he samples a lot of cartoons and uh i'm a big fan of his uh droll, dragging voice. I think a lot of people already know it, but for anybody who doesn't, it's well worth getting into. Mm. Um, all right. Sure, that's all we got then. Um, it's going to be a long one, but I think it was very, very good. So and anyway, thanks a lot, for Melissa, for coming on. Do you, anywhere, you want to plug anything that you're on?
2: Uh, I guess, yeah. I mean, I'm at Merlurser on pretty much everything. So it's or. Okay, cool.
1: So that's on Instagram and Twitter and... Yeah whatever mm-hmm. okay cool and um and when can we expect to see this project you're working on is that uh, going to be like
2: july i think i think it's yeah i think july that's a fast turnaround yeah very fast yeah jesus
1: yeah okay cool well that'll be out there um obviously on Gareth lines um and we can find us at at we are hack inc mm-hmm. and info at we are hack inc. Com. I'm still accepting and waiting for emails about uh, the hack incentive club so if whoever wants to get onto that otherwise i'll start emailing you directly because i've got the analytics and i know who listens um okay cool uh thanks very much for joining us Bye. bye